Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, so today, tonight, I'm going to, to start off by, uh, well, I'll introduce the panel, but then we'll talk to them about how this opera came into being and how the rehearsal process is going, and then open up, open up to questions to you. So start off, first of all, on my immediate right, we have Ryan Wigglesworth, who's the uh, comp composer and also the conductor of this opera. You're doing double duty on your own opera for the first time. Sort of librettist as well. Librettist, yes. <laughs> With Shakespeare. With someone called Shakespeare. Yes. Um, and then from the far end, um, Ian Patterson, who's playing Leontes, uh, so, um, uh, Lee Melrose, who's playing Polixenes, uh, and Sophie, Sophie Bevan, who's playing Hermione. Um, so, let me start with you, Ryan. Um, Winter's Tale, why this is your first opera? Um, it's been going on for a long time. It's been sitting there as an idea in my head for a long time, since really I was at university. And um, it was a really a, a, a chance remark of a friend in a pub in Oxford. Um, and the friend said, surely it's the most operatic of Shakespeare's plays. And I sort of, you know, and and thought about it for a bit, and I, I came to agree. And many, many years later, when, when the commission from E&O came through, I did go through a few options of possible subjects, but I always kept coming back to it because it be because it had been sitting there for a long time, and I realised it had been gradually accruing a sound world, and um, these ideas had been, you know, sort of simmering on the back burner for all, all all that time, really. So it was the only one that that really stuck with me, and it was also a subject that I knew would keep me on my toes all the way through. I mean, it's such a long process, writing an opera, and it's so laborious in many respects, that you need a subject which is going to be constantly kicking you <laughs> and not let you get bored or, or, you know, there's no chance of falling out of love. And actually, I'm more in love with the subject than ever. I could sort of actually sit down and, and do it all again. <laughs> How long was that writing process? You said uh, you'd have to sit with it for so long. Um, well, when I, when I got down to starting, I worked for two years on and off only on the libretto. And then it was a year and a half, a bit more, of, of in sort of pretty flat out composing. Right, and, you're, and as I, I know your director and co-librettist uh, is uh, Rory Kinnear. Mm. Um, Rory told me, I interviewed him when he did uh, uh, his last play at the National, uh, the Thrapidi Opera, mm. that in fact you'd originally asked him to collaborate with you as the sole librettist. Yes, that's right. I mean, I'd known Rory um, a bit previously. We, we actually met through a mutual friend, Mark Padmore. And... Who runs the festival with... Uh, Yes, yeah. the Endelian Festival. Yes, yes. Um, and I'd met Rory down there, and I, I knew that Rory was incredibly musical. Um, I'd heard him narrate uh, the, uh, Peter's Peter and the Wolf, and he did a Soldier's Tale, which was miraculous. He played all the characters, and you know when someone's musical. And I knew he was intelligent, and I and I knew, knew he was an amazing actor. Um, and I just sort of felt, hmm, I wonder if this might interest him and it was just the timing wasn't right and yeah. um, for that um, and this was you know right at the earliest stages um, and then much later on he popped into my mind again and I called him and said actually would you be interested in directing and I which, just which he never done before he'd never he's never directed anything in his life and but it, I, I, I think I'm not alone in thinking that it seems like he's been doing it for many, many years. I mean, he's—it's—it's—he uh, said to me the other night that it, you know, I'm not sure I should repeat this actually, but he—he <laughs> he said you know it can be rare as an actor that you feel you're pushed to capacity, and actually doing this, he, he feels he is. He's sort of using all of his skills, all of his brain is involved in the process, and I—he's—I—I I, I think he's having a, a whale of a time. And um, he has all the right skills. He's very quick, 
um, to analyze a picture, and he's marvelous with a chorus, um, which for a new director is very unusual. Um, you know, chorus is a, it's a, it's a tricky um, collection of people to, to deal with. You've got all these personalities, and they, and they all want to be working, and often choruses are sort of standing around for ages whilst the director makes up their mind about what they want to see, and Rory's so quick and, and detailed, and it's just been a, you know, a wonderful discovery, and, and I, I hope he does a lot more. It is interesting how many directors um, have come from acting uh, and other opera directors like Jonathan Kent, who directed a lot mm. in opera. He was an actor. Uh, so was Michael Grandage, who has mm. done some opera. So it seems to be a, a sort of natural fit. <clears throat> yeah, quite. Absolutely. Yep. What's it like being directed by uh, a, a, an actor? If I put it to you three. Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you'd do that. <laughs> Well, I think it's, it's absolutely wonderful because you sort of learn all sorts of tricks of the trade which you might not learn otherwise. For instance, there's one tiny thing that he said to us in the first week, which was, um, I'm just going to point this out every time it happens, but don't walk backwards or take, or take a few steps backwards. When I see people doing that on stage, it makes me think that they're not really thinking about what they're meant to be thinking about because yeah. humans don't tend to walk backwards. Right. And actually, it quite <laughs> often, they're not seeing a guy walk backwards and it's you think you're being dramatic but actually you're being very unrealistic so and does does you find he instills a lot of confidence i mean obviously as a as a director he's he's not directed before so he's new to the job um who's 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 leading the room oh him very much he's he's one of the problems that you have when people haven't directed before is they, they often don't know how much preparation they need to do and if they come from straight theatre, uh, actors, their process tends to be that there's a long, long rehearsal period and they turn up not having memorised the text on the first day and they sort of discover it as they're going along. Uh, and Rory seems to have grasped from the off, mm. actually, that it works slightly different when people have music to learn as well, that there's a lot of musical preparation that has to be done before you start with the staging. And but he's arrived so well prepared. It's like he has the production already pretty much set in his head. And it's just, you know, pushing the chess pieces around until he gets the stage picture that he wants. And he knows the score. He knows the score very well. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. And also the source material. I was going to, I asked one of you out there, you've seen the Judy Dench, the most recent London one was at the Garrick mm-hmm. Theatre, Ken Branagh, and Ju- uh, directing Judy Dench, uh, and Ken Branagh was in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, did your cast, did you and the cast see that production? No, I was, I was, I've deliberately avoided everything to do with The Winter's Tale, apart from <laughs> what was directly in front of me on my desk. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want any, anything sort of cluttering my vision when I was still, you know, in the throes of it. But you'd obviously seen the play before, uh, yes. hence the inspiration to do it. Yes, but actually that's one of the... Uh, I, in a sense, I think it's an unstageable play. I mean, I'd never, I've never seen... A, I mean, maybe the, the, the Branagh one was the one that could have changed my mind about this, but I've never <sighs> seen a production um, which really knew what to do with Bohemia. Yeah. Because it's very long, mm-hmm. and... Um, ceases to be funny after a while. Um, so actually, that's the thing about if you're, if you're transferring it to another art form, you do have the opportunity to, and it's necessary with an opera that you cut like mad anyway, because, and... The play runs three hours as it is. The play runs music. three hours as it is. And also the, um, the Iron Bit Pentameter is, is actually too long to be sung, because by the time you've got to the end of the line, you've forgotten where you started, especially in late Shakespeare, where, where, where the lines are complex, especially for Leontes. The language is so gnarly and knotted. So the challenge was to try and retain as much of the color as possible, but, but just chopping, chopping down to sort of Wagner-length lines. So they are Shakespeare's words still, are they? Yes, I've updated pronouns, but, but apart from that, it's, 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 it's pretty, it yeah. feels faithful. Can yeah. I say it? Can I put it that way? <laughs> <laughs> and the plot? The plot is, is as... Uh, do, do you get the whole plot in? Um, elements of Bohemia are cut. Yes. Many. I mean, Autolycus is gone. Right. Full stop. 
Oh, and the bear. Well, I say that. I say that Autolycus has gone, but actually a, a, a lot of his text has gone to the chorus. I mean, I knew that the chorus was necessary in the opera, and that that was another challenge, was to find a, a dramatically necessary place for, for the chorus. And so in Act One, they are the citizens of Sicilia responding to their queen being put on trial. And in Act Two, they are the, the citizens of rural Bohemia. And in, in Bohemia, they take on a lot of Autolycus's um, song text. Um, so he, he hasn't disappeared entirely, but um, again, with an opera, the, the business that's involved with Autolycus would actually just take up too much time and take up too much <laughs> focus <clears throat> away from the young couple, from Perdita and Florizel, which was my... Um, I, I was absolutely dead certain that they needed to, to, to be at the center of uh, the second act. Yeah. The spotlight to be fixed on them. It's a huge responsibility creating a brand new opera for, uh, especially nowadays, I'm at the expense of that, and, <clears throat> or for a major company, uh, and, a, and a full length one at that. Mm. Um, how, and of course, for the, for the singers, though, the great joy must be creating parts that have not been sung before. Uh, has that been a particular is thrill a for joy? you guys? Is it a joy? It's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's always a joy. I, I, I seem to do quite a lot of this, and um, there is a freedom that, um, you know, say you sing The Count in Figaro, and you will have all heard 56 million recordings and seen 47,000 shows collectively perhaps personally um, and so there is always the weight of history pressing on you whereas to do a a new piece that no one has heard before um, is very very inspiring it's hugely freeing it's a huge responsibility especially with um, the composer as the conductor so if you sort of go off piste the one person in the room who knows it is the person giving you the cues and looking at you like you're an idiot um, I've been on the receiving end of some wonderful facial expressions. <laughs> yeah, or just disappointment and shaking of <laughs> What was the process in terms of getting the... the, 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 the I mean, has the score changed at all during rehearsals, for instance? Uh, have you made any adjustments? Oh, not much. Not much vocally. I've, I've uh, tweaked the odd thing in the orchestra. Um... But generally, no, it's, it's pretty much... It, it has to be said that Ryan's preparation has been absolutely faultless from my point of view. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, I, I've, I'm, I'm doing another project um, that, you know, bears comparison and, you know, the tiny, awful bits of handwritten manuscript that get delivered and that you can't tell a G from a D and all, all this kind of mess. Whereas w with Ryan, there was a finished vocal score um, that was delivered and he is stuck to it. And there haven't been huge changes and it's been <clears throat> very, very, um, you know, secure from sort of day one from, you know, the singer's point of view. So that's... Mm. Did you do work workshops of the show before? Did you um, development workshops? Um, I had three hours with the orchestra um, last January and I, I had two scenes prepared for that. And that was enormously useful. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of workshops only up to a point. I think they, they, there comes a stage when workshops actually can be counterproductive. Um, you very often find... I've seen, I've seen lots of shows actually being you know, sort of destroyed at birth by <laughs> um, workshops. You get uh, lots of people giving their opinions about this and, and actually ultimately you just have to have a vision and go with it and, you know, put your blinkers on if you think it's strong enough. Um, but that was very useful to have three hours with the orchestra um, just so I could test out the palette, as yeah. it were, see if the, you know, the, the colours were as I was imagining and um, I gained enormously from that. And... Um, yeah. And, and then when did you hear, first hear, the first time you heard it with the, full, the, the whole score with the orchestra was already when you were in rehearsal? Has that oh, been Oh, yeah. So, I mean, only, um, what was it, last, when was the Zitz? Last Thursday? Wednesday. Mm. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday was the first time I heard orchestra and cast 
Um, but we still haven't had uh, chorus put into the mix yet, so that, that doesn't happen until um, this Friday morning um, when we get the entire lot on, on, on the so stage. Until, so you still don't know what it fully no, sounds no. like. And also, it's a, you know, it's a very um, odd thing because I'm, I'm myself discovering what it is. You know, it was only the other day in the rehearsal room you know, with piano, that we ran acts two and three together, and then I saw what the shape of the second half of the of the opera is. Um, there's only so much one can do, you know, in your imagination, sitting at home, um, playing it through on the piano, or 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 playing it through in your mind. Actually, it's we we did have one extraordinary day on the first week of music rehearsals where Ryan played and sang the whole opera to us, all the parts, mm. which was really yeah, quite I, something. I was pretty hoarse, hoarse by the end of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you guys got, got the scores delivered. Uh, when, how long before rehearsals? <laughs> Years. Yeah. Yeah. Years yes. before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, Ryan's been great, actually, because as um, <laughs> scenes have been completed, we've been sent through copies that we can have a look at. And that's, yes. there's been a sort of constant trickle for about the last six months. So you've so had some time to sort of look at them and prepare and yeah, start? Yeah, we, we weren't sort of, you know, slapped over the head with them on the 1st of January and, mm. right. and said, right, learn that! You know, it's, yeah. it, we've, it, it's, it's been coming in, in bits for a while and mm. uh, the whole thing was sort of finally assembled, I guess, when? November, November time, November, I think, November, yeah. yeah. So. And well, well, just rewind a little bit. Well, when were you cast? Was that was the, presumably the casting all happened uh, six months ago, a year ago? Oh, it was a long no idea. idea. Yeah. No, more than well, that. Well, you, you and I spoke about it. Yeah, two three years ago. Yeah, yeah if not so, more. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of my things um, as a as a composer. I, I don't. I don't. I imagine lots of composers are like this. That I can't really compose unless I know who's performing. It's only it's only when I can actually imagine. Um, I mean, it's pretty much all of this cast I know. I know the voices. Um, certainly, the three people sitting here. You worked with them all I, before. I worked when, yeah, and. But it feels like that when we sing the music as mm. well, because it, they, they feel like they've been written for us. It feels yes. that we're exploring everything that we can do, and 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 it's a it's a sort of wonderful feeling to be singing something that's actually written for your own voice. Yeah, but I, but I, it's only. I, it's only if I have that as a as a an aid to my yes. imagination that I I feel able to actually write anything at all. So the casting came first. The, well, yeah. the idea of casting yeah. ideas came yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what were the operas you worked with each of them on before? And you know, because you're all you know regulars. Um, mm. well, actually, it's only only Lee and I have worked together at ENO before. Is yeah. that right? We haven't done anything, have we? Do you know? No. Um, not that we can talk about. Not that we can talk about. Uh, yeah. um, Ian and I, I mean, it was one of my first ever conducting dates was, was, with Ian in Birmingham, Birmingham with Graham Vick. Company with um, Graham Vick. Yeah, Strauss, Ariadne. Ariadne yeah. Um, so, gosh, that was a long, long, long time ago. That's at least, what, 12 years? Yeah, yeah. 12 yeah. years yeah. or so. Yeah. And Lee and I did uh, Carmen together oh. at ENO. So, um, Sophie and I live together, so I know how she sings. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it is sort of a, 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 rep, a, a mini rep company for, for, for that you've established. It for. feels like that, and, and I have to say, it's just um, one of the most wonderful atmospheres of, any, of anything I've ever been involved with. I mean, you know, I, I get the joy of, usually for a composer, if you write an orchestral piece, you might have an hour and a half's rehearsal, if you're lucky, and then it's, you know, then it's sort of thrown on in the concert, and you get an impression of what you've done. With this, you know, we rehearse for, for two months, intensively, and it's the first time in my life where I've felt that, you know, we've been able to into, sort of dig into a, a, something I've, I've <coughs> dreamt up and sort of live with it and begin to feel that it's, um, you know, running through your veins a bit. And, and, and th that's the most pleasurable thing for a, for a composer, it really is. Um, it's a real um, gift. 
Um, but apart from that, just the, the, the atmosphere in the room, the, everyone involved. It's such a wonderful team. I feel so privileged, you know, everyone, from the, the, the um, stage management team. Wonderful, wonderful Philip Turner and, 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 his, and his team. Um, it's just a, a, a lovely, relaxed, but, um, you know, hard-working and intense atmosphere. So I couldn't, couldn't be happier. It's wonderful that, that, that there's such a sense of satisfaction coming from you, given that the company in other ways has been in turmoil for a mm. while now. Mm. It still manages where it matters to, to, this to is produce the, the work. This is what the company does, does so well, um, you know, giving, giving the time to um, a new opera of, of, of this kind um, so that it really feels... Um, you know, nurtured, and you know, I love this company. I love, I, I, you know, I've done lots here, and um, I've always loved it. And I, I, I love the people, and I love the theatre. The, you know, the Coliseum is yes. so. I know it has its faults, backstage, <laughs> and all of that lack of space. But it, it, it's, you know, all my great theatrical evenings have been in the Coliseum. Yeah, really. And the opera is being done, a new opera is being done on the main stage in front of two and a half thousand people rather than the Lindbury studio <clears> in front of 500. It's, it's a bit of a difference of scale, isn't it? Yes. Um, shall I just keep talking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, carry on. You tell me when you're sick of We're my voice. Tired. Sick of my voice. <laughs> um, the, the, one of the big problems today is that it's very difficult to um, serve an apprenticeship as an opera composer. You might be lucky to get one chance to get your commission, um, and it might be a chamber opera in the Limbury or, you know, or it might be on the main stage. Um, there's no sense that, you know, in, as it would have been in the time of Wagner, Verdi, Strauss, that you can actually write your five duff operas before, <laughs> before you, you start to get it right. Yeah. You know, you can't do that now, and you're, the, the pressures are too um, intense and you're made to, you know, you, if, if you don't get it right, then that's, yeah, that's it, it's gone. Um, and it's a shame, because it means that opera composers aren't, um, how should we say, dropping off trees, you know? Yes. Um, there, there isn't much of a modern op uh, repertoire. Well, no, quite. And, and then, of course, the criticism is always, well, you, know, wh wh you know, where is the next Peter Grimes? Where is the next this and yes. that? And you say, well, it doesn't work like that, actually. It really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, in musical theatre, which is a world I know quite a lot about, um, you know, people have many more opportunities, but even there, it used to be that Sondheim would turn out, in the 80s, he, in the 70s rather, he turned out a seven shows in that decade alone. Mm. And then, you know, and obviously people slow down as they get on older, but, but nowadays you can, it takes three or four years to get a show on. So mm. it's, it's the, the scale has happened, it happens much less now. Quite, and, and houses are unwilling to take the mm. risks. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but... And then, of course, you get all this work, and it's five performances. I mean, but, but hopefully, it'll have a further life. Well, I hope so, yes. I mean, it, it's... I, from everything I see in the room, um, it's, it's going to be a, an incredibly strong, powerful show with, you know, incredible performers. And um, the the story is is wonderful and intense so if it goes wrong it's my fault <laughs> you know, I everything you know all the elements couldn't be better really and may i say one of the great luxuries that we have with this of course is with having rory in the room rory knows the shakespeare play inside out mm. um so there's the sort of tricky transitions where you know for time reasons and for space reasons, obviously, Ryan's had to condense the text down. And I think there's a, was maybe some concern about how the opera would flow from Ryan's sort of point of view. Mm. Uh, and the good thing about Rory being there is Rory knows how to link up those ideas, how to, how to cover those periods of time, so it makes certain sense. From our point of view, it's, it's, it's sort of lovely because you feel secure because you've got your conductor and composer there and also someone like Rory who knows it inside out as well. Mm. Many's the time I've stood in a rehearsal room where the conductor had, hasn't got a clue what he's doing and the director hasn't got, <laughs> got a clue what he's doing either. But we've got this double safety net with, with both of them. So it's encouraging us to give of our best as well. It's mm. a fantastic 
mm. experience. And Shakespeare, of course, you said about Rory knowing his Shakespeare as a, as a source material for opera and for musical theatre. It's it's not used that often, but I mean, obviously there's there's the Verdi Othello, there's the uh, Midsummer's Dream, Britain, and musical theatre, uh, Bernstein, West Side Story um, from Romeo and Juliet, or Boys from Syracuse, the Rogers and Hart mm. from uh, Comedy Verres. But what, what, there are there's still a whole lot of repertoire out there. Shakespeare, I mean, it's 36 plays, and then there not many of them have been adapted. Um, no, that's probably true. I mean, there, there are a lot of sort of forgotten 19th century amulettos and <laughs> yeah. all kinds of things, um, you know, when they, they would mostly have had happy endings, like, like, the, yes. like the plays would have done. Um, yeah, rewritten. Rewritten for happy endings. Yeah. Um, or they'd take one element out. Yeah. Um, but this but, is much more of a faithful, this is faithful. Yes, yes. Uh, and... I mean, it, it's a it's a very tricky thing. I mean, Verdi and Boito had the advantage of of not having to use the English text. But, you know, yeah. translating it into Italian, you you um, sidestep a lot of very very difficult issues about you know how to sing this complex language. Um, and I feel jealous that they had <laughs> had that way out. Well, except that it was it's been so wonderful to work on the text and this closely and after a certain point you have to say to yourself look I'm writing and you're creating an opera libretto we're not we're not setting the play to music you have to uh, somehow take ownership of the thing and it has to serve the purpose the original vision that you saw in the first place you know um, so in order to be faithful you have to be unfaithful in, in many respects yeah. And there are difficulties with the play, like what happens at the end, after um, the statue scene. You know, in the play, they sort of stand around rather embarrassedly. You know, and 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 you can't. Really, I didn't feel I could end the opera like that. So, so don't give it away. No, I'm not going to give it away. But 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 you, but that in, you have to. You know, he certainly of, didn't write Contessa Perdono. <laughs> but you have to. Think of something that does feel true and and faithful, um, and without having to in, in, invent. Yeah. And I, I guess some of your audience, or a lot, of, how many of you in the audience today have seen Winter's Tale as a play? So, pretty most of you. So you're going to come in with a lot of um, some with some knowledge. Yeah. 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 It's it's on a blank page. It's. Uh, but but your soundscape, which which I, I gather we're not going to have a sneak preview of, is 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 very different. I mean, obviously that that's the surprise. What what, what people are going to hear? Yes, I mean what what I do has to, you know, the first and most important thing is is support the journey, the dramatic journey of and the journey of this of the play and the opera is, is a rather strange one because you, the, the first act of the opera um, is a very sort of slick Greek tragic um, journey. It really sort of goes. It's very intense. And, you know, for Leontes, it's a, it's a real kind of... <laughs> I was going to say burn, yeah, but... <laughs> but it is a kind of, you know... Um, a slow burn, um, whereas in, with Act Two, Bohemia, you sort of have more space. I mean, it's a relatively short act in duration, but it it, it sort of opens out. That's that's the um, and there's a huge colour change. You know, everything lightens, and um, you sort of need that. This is kind of sorbet after the, the intensity of the kind of psychodrama of the of act one yeah. and then act three well as ian said actually after this was after the when i very first played through the entire thing to everyone ian said that actually act three feels like a dream of act one mm -hmm. and i think that's that's true that sort of captured what i was trying to do it's like you're you've gone back to sicilia but you're seeing everything through a through a gauze um, and it's slowed down. The sort of heartbeat of it has slowed down. You know, it's after 16 years of regret and grief, um, having worked itself 
through Leontes' system. So those are the three main colours, and that's wonderful for, um, in my limited experience as an opera composer. <laughs> you know, that's a wonderful thing to have, three rather clear um, colour palettes. So that day that, that uh, Ryan played the music to you guys for the first time, was that the first time you'd heard it en masse? I mean, because you'd obviously seen it on the page, um, but hadn't actually heard it, apart from... You, no, that, that, that was the, the, the first time. It was very, very useful for us, of course. Because I, I've, I've never done a contemporary opera in 25 years of singing. So for me, I, the score arrived, and I'm thinking, right, which record... Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, slight problem here. And... Ryan told us that he was going to sit down and play through the whole thing, and he did, and he sang all the parts and played it and um, made us all feel horribly inadequate as musicians. <laughs> um, uh, but it gave us the shape, it gave us the idea, it gave us the journey of the characters. Um, but what, what blew me away, actually, was the Zitz probe that we did last week, because when you hear uh, a lot of stuff on the piano, I, I've had this experience with Strauss, when you're listening to Strauss played on the piano, it all sounds very, very dense, and you're not sure how the harmony works orchestrally. And then you hear it in the room with the orchestra, and part of the chord's here, part of it's way over there, there's a couple of players at the back playing it, and the, the sense of space in the music, suddenly it just makes so much more sense. And I, I could not believe the difference between what we were hearing on the piano and what mm. we were hearing in the orchestra. I, th mm. I thought it was sensational. Mm. Sophie, did you hear it at home beforehand? Um, <laughs> bits and pieces, but mostly Ryan would lock himself in uh, the shed outside and, <laughs> and write it there. And I sort of kept myself away from it, actually, because obviously I'd be doing other things. And also I didn't want to disappoint Ryan by learning it in front of him and he'd be like, no, it's not how it goes, no. <laughs> and so I sort of tried to learn it out of the way a bit and, but. Um, did, did you guys learn the score before you arrived for the first day of rehearsal? Do you? Yeah, you got to. You do? I mean, yeah, if, if you turn up in opera and not know the score on the first day, you don't get to see the second day. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be, you have to be off book as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's one of the great tenets of, of opera. That's the yes. divide between um, theatre, where it's frowned upon if you know the play before you turn up and rehearse, and your colleagues will actively um, dislike you if you know your part. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's very serious. Uh, um, the, it's, it's a game of trust and a, and a thing of learning and growing through the rehearsal process to the opening performance of... Hamlet or whatever, you know, and, and the, the, the more known the play is, you know, more people will have done it more times. And, but, you know, for a new play, no one should know a word before you set foot in the rehearsal room. And it's a thing of trust. Um, it, with opera, you have to turn up on day one, off copy, ready to do the dance routine, if necessary. And, and that, is, that is one of the big problems, you know. So you might have time away, you know, um, uh, learning and everyone goes there, learning <clears throat> being a waiter or doing a proper job or whatever no actually the time of um, rehearsing is often quite short three weeks six weeks if you're lucky um, but it may be two years preparation to learn all the notes so that you can turn up on day one and go where do you want me to go from because sometimes <clears throat> you, you may learn the first act and you think oh, I'll get away with it <clears throat> Um, and the director says, right, we're going to start from act two, <laughs> because that's where the heart of the piece is. And then you go, ooh, <laughs> that act two, I, um, I'm feeling a bit ill. <laughs> you know, so that, but the interesting thing is you're not paid for that, are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> you're, we're you're only paid, paid from the time you come into rehearsal. So no, no, we're, no, no, we're only paid per performance. Mm. Ah, so yeah, that so you if we do all in, the rehearsal yes. and then you get sick... Yes. I'm sorry, that, you that's don't get why a pay. singers get slightly twitchy with yeah. coughs and colds and all that kind of thing. Mm. You could put in three years' work, you could put in five years' work, you could put in, you know, all, all the rest, and then get a cold, and then... Listen, let's not talk about that. No one's getting sick on this. <laughs> it's not allowed. I've been sick for three weeks, and you haven't noticed. <laughs> Shall we open up some questions? Who would like to uh, go first? At the front here, we're going to get a mic to you. Um. I take your point about. It's, it's on. It's on. 
I take your point about the difficulty of getting opera produced. I mean, if you've got a painting, you can get it hung. If you've got a book, you mm. can get it published. Mm. If you've got a piece of music, you get it done. But I mean, ballet and opera are a bit more like architecture. You really need a, mm. a proper sponsor. Mm. And of course, there was a ballet of um, Winter's Tale, which I thought was quite satisfactory. Mm. Uh, I found it very exciting. <laughs> there are not that many new opera composers. Um, and it's very exciting when somebody comes along with new ideas. Dare I ask if you have another hint at the back of your mind that might form an opera? Oh yes, several. <laughs> I mean, that's that, the, the... You don't know until you, you do it. Um, well, the first, thing is, the first thing you don't know is how time-consuming it is and how much pain it will cause you. <laughs> Um, the second thing you don't realize is how addictive it will be because there's nothing there's nothing like it. I mean you're living with a This sort of created world for all those years and it's you know the first thing You think about when you wake up and it's the last thing you're thinking about before you go to bed and, and it's actually having finished it It's almost like a grieving process because you've you've been so close to this thing for all, all that time in it so intensely that you miss it, so, so I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. And presumably through the whole process you've had your day job, you've been conducting other operas as well? Or, yes, or... I mean, I, I, I deliberately um, eased off in the last couple of years, I just needed more, I mean, one of the difficulties switching between the two, um, it's the kind of recovery time, I mean, even if I go away and do a concert, you know, three days re rehearsal, or two days rehearsal on a concert, it's not like you can then go straight home and start composing immediately. It, it actually, you need time to get the music you've been doing out of your system first, and you know, mm. there's a you have to build in recovery time. So I've just I've tried to be quite careful about that in the past um, couple of years. Another question at the over there. Hi, um, I'm going to start with a slightly sycophantic thing to say, but it's brilliant that Ian is putting on. Uh, new opera, sponsoring new opera, putting it on the main stage, and also my most important point is they're not sort of hiding it away, but they're putting the best singers around mm. in this opera. Yeah. And we should be really proud of that, I think. My question is actually much less um, sort of intellectual. Can we have any teaser trailers for the production? Yes. That went down. Uh, uh, sorry? Te <laughs> teaser trailers <laughs> for the production. <laughs> you know, a bit of design, a bit of, you know, what are, what are we looking forward to in the production? Yes. The, the big dance number in the second act. <laughs> <laughs> sensational. Doesn't include any of us, though. <laughs> there is a big I dance number. <laughs> what design? Could we say anything um, about the design of it? Um, are we allowed to? I don't know about oh. that. Are we? Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're, They're saying yes. Vicky, um, Vicky Mortimer has, has um, produced an incredible... Um, solution to I mean we knew basically that it, that it would be one set um, and in order to create the two very different worlds of Cecilia and Bohemia you know how, how does one do that and her solution is so beautiful and and elegant and it's a it's a um, a series of walls on tracks, so um, in a circular configuration. So the the walls can be closed to to the audience, or opened up to as the court of Sicilia, the the, the royal palace. Um, when it's closed, you can have sort of Bohemia um, in front, or I mean, it's just so um, open to various configurations. Um, I mean, it's difficult to, to be more specific because actually, we, you know, we haven't seen it in, in situ yet, and so much depends on, you know, what it looks like in, in, in the collie and, you know, and the lighting, which is an element we have no idea of yet. Um, but, yeah. Well, it's set, we're allowed to say, yeah, it's, it's sort of set in, at the, the beginning is a sort of 2000, isn't it? And then... Yeah, 16 then years, 16 years ago. Sort of, yeah, 16 yeah. years ago, so, but... And it's sort of set in somewhere like Albania or something like that, he said. Mm. So that we've got a kind of dictator 
type tyrant. And not a terribly benevolent dictator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the important thing is that it's a, it's a, um, the dictatorship has that sense, you know, when you see a Saddam Hussein palace, there's this obsession with um, statuary and, and iconography that, that um, projecting an image projects an image and you know everything is leading up to you <laughs> the entire history of this nation is you know and statues are obviously very important in this so that's there's one very very beautiful statue that will move you to tears it's so stunning michelangelo could have done it it's yeah me. it's, of him, <laughs> it's <yeah>. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He covered me in rubber and made me stand like that for 20 minutes. <laughs> Something for the garden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the fronts. I always have a problem in believing in an Hermione, not in the first act, but towards the end of the play. Have you had that problem? Um, well, no, I haven't, I haven't found that with this, but I mean where we're setting it and how we're setting it, I think, really helps. Because, well, I, don't know, I, want to get, I don't want to give too much away. Um, I mean, obviously Rory's fantastic as well. He, help, he helps me with that. Um, but actually, I find her incredibly human, though, the fact that she's nine months pregnant and she's sort of, as the woman at the beginning, she's trying to kind of make everything work out between the men. She's the one who's sort of trying to make Polixenes stay, mm. and she's innocent, and then she's being accused, nine months pregnant, of having an affair, and then she gives, I give birth on stage, and then I'm suddenly shoved in front of a court, and then I die. Or do I? <laughs> As a statue? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, um, no, she does. <laughs> I do, but... Yeah, well, the, the... The way we're doing it, I don't find difficult at all. Is the, the, it's very human. I see my daughter and I react to her as, as I would. And I see my husband and I, re I react to him as I would. In, in, in the opera. Yeah. I mean, that's... As I, one of my difficulties with the play was that there's, there is not enough text at the end. I mean, you don't... You know, there's the whole business of the sort of marrying off of poor Lina, and you know, and it's sort of well, we're not really terribly interested in that. We've just had this incredible thing happen, um, and poor Lina, but I, I is I think one of the most amazing female characters in, in all of Shakespeare. I mean, I think the female characters Hermione and poor Lina are so strong. She's incredible. I mean, the way she stands up, she's the only person that stands up to Leontes, really. And we have wonderful Sue Bickley playing Paulina. You know, it's just a, a dream. You know, she's just so wonderful and, um, and so right. She has that... that Righteous. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and the fire, got, the fire that, that... She's got you under control. Yeah. <laughs> she has done for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of weird as well, because we just played Votan in Fricka. It's very <laughs> odd. Uh, you three have to age 16 years in the story, don't you? I wondered whether this affected at all your vocal technique um, or whether this is built into you for the music or... God, I never what? thought of that. Yes. Suddenly Trust sound. me, when you hear Act 1, I definitely age about 16 years. <laughs> I lose my hair. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do. I think it's more in the, the, how we look than yeah, actually yeah, yeah. the way that we're, we're singing okay. it. But again, but, I mean, it goes I, back as well, sorry, can but I just that, say, that, it a, goes back to the, it's a very, very different sound world. Yeah, yeah. So a mm. lot of, obviously, you know, if you read the text, Leontes is just ranting, 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 ranting the whole time. Of course, there's no way around that. You have to show that anger. Mm. But that anger's gone, and after the 16 years of absence, there's this sort of, 
mm. hollowed out husk of a man that's barely human that's left. He, mm. You know, he did, gets, runs the court day to day, but he's, he's lost everything he loved, everything he cared about through his own foolhardiness. Um, and the way Ryan's written the third act is that there's this sense of everything takes a bit of time to process somehow. It is like he's sort of wading through the soup of a dream to try and come back to reality. So I th in answer to your question, Ashley, we don't, we don't have to sing differently. Ryan's yeah. done it in the music. Well, except that it, take, it takes a, a cast of this caliber to be able to explore colors in that way. You know, that's not, that's not, that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it's, it's you know, these are these are great singers, and actually, the 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 thing is also being willing to take risks with with color, um, to have the confidence to be able to do that and to and to push something. And you know, if you know, it might not always work, but 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 the, but the, the exploring is is so wonderful. I've had a lot of fun actually. There's a a few phrases where he's done just that, he's composed it in such a way that it's not like anything I've ever had to sing before. So I've had to you know, go home and practice and figure out technically how am I going to negotiate all this and how am I going to get around it. And I'm, I'm, I'm producing noises that I haven't produced before. That sounds slightly <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bad thing. Good noises that I haven't produced before is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Question there. Sorry, it's on the side. Um, I think something we'd all like to know about, but probably won't be able to without hearing excerpts, is to get a sense of what this sound world consists of. What does it sound like? Oh, gosh. Perhaps right. it's, a, it's uh, a difficult question to answer without seeing something. Yeah, I'm afraid I do find that one impossible. Mm. <laughs> well, fair enough. You sing it. We've been singing all day. <laughs> Well, I mean, one can say, does it sound like other music that you've composed or that other people have composed, for instance? Um, I'm, I'm actually the worst person to answer that question, but you know, I don't think you can say... I mean, uh, every composer is um, a result of everything they've heard and everything that's, that's, that's been absorbed into their system. Um, but it's not something that you can analyze when you're actually writing it. Otherwise... Possibly something that the But of course, we all, we all now and then will say to each other or say to Ryan, well, that bit reminds me of Janacek, or that mm. bit sounds like Wagner, or... Mm. Well, the other people are perhaps the right ones to answer this question. Yeah. Yes. That, that, my, my overall impression that I got from the Zitz was there's something filmic about it, by which I mean not that it sounds like film music, but like the music is constantly changing to reflect what the text is saying. So you don't get um cha cha, um cha cha, and then a line of text across it. You know, it changes bar to bar, it changes phrase to phrase to reflect exactly the text as it obviously sounded to Ryan in his head. Um, and I, 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 yeah, there was. There was something fascinating. It was akin to watching a movie. That's, that's, the only, that's the only way I can put it. There was the narrative made perfect sense, and the music came out of the narrative. Um, when I first heard it with piano, there was a lot of scrunchy chords and whatnot, but then, as I explained, when I heard the orchestra playing them and I heard the space in those chords, I realized that what I had thought might sound a little atonal actually sounded very tonal. Um, yeah, it's kind of... Also, I think what's, one of the important things to say is that he writes beautiful long lines to sing, and it's not like a lot of contemporary music that where you're, you find yourself kind of jumping about and, and sort of, you know, that sort of thing. It's Punching not like a that. Boom. They are beautiful, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> are beautiful long nice. lyric <laughs> lines to sing, and so it's a real pleasure to actually sing the music. Your turn. I can pick up uh, and synthesize both of those. Um, the, the thing that I uh, heard, um, well, well, you could say there's a bit of Britain death in Venice, there's a bit of, you know, and, and go through naming things. The, the interest is a lot of the time there are notes that are passed 
between different parts of the orchestra so that things will travel, you know, tones will travel and the uh, creative orchestration, so a, a single um, violin will turn into a flutter-tongue flute and an oboe before being passed on to a French horn, for example. I, I don't know if that actually happens, but there's <laughs> the, 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 it should, if it doesn't. Um, um, <laughs> act four, act four, that's... That, and, um, um, and, and there's this shifting sense which we don't get necessarily with the piano because there's just a piano and it's very sort of staccato and even if you put the dampers you know uh, so that's exciting and the, the these two uh, are producing you know fantastic noises you know i mean truly truly oh, wonderful oh well, yeah but i my I, I um you'll get there Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I come on and shout. There, there there's a little hint for you. Uh, um, um, my main bit. There, there we go. Um, but you know, uh, extraordinary. You know, so we have a, a, a Wagner singer who um, you know doesn't do much 20, 20th century, twenty first century repertoire at all. Um, phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely extraordinary. And then um, uh, uh, my colleague here, um, you know, just, yes, I, you know, the, the, the transformation scene at, at the end, um, uh, you know, statue to living, breathing woman. Um, yeah, suspend the disbelief. Yeah, but what amazing, you know, she comes out sort of all guns firing, you know, for that transformation scene, you know, with, with full chorus and, you know, an, an astonishing display of uh, orchestration and timing and build-up. Wow. I mean, seriously, wow. <laughs> you know, my five-year-old nephew who came to the end of the zit said, I went over to him after he'd sat there for about 45 minutes, actually, and he said, wow, what is this opera about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would like to add one little thing to that loving from my best friend, <laughs> who was actually my best man. Uh, um, uh, he was mine, so <laughs> he's bloody marvelous as well. And he actually has he actually has the hardest job in the piece because the um, Act Two Polixenes is a very very different character from the Act One Polixenes. Um, and he's you just have misunderstood. To, uh, <laughs> I guarantee you it will be one of the highlights of your evening when you come and see his performance. There's a, a little bit of, dare I say, melodrama, in literal melodrama, in the German sense, yeah. Um, yeah. with some quite powerfully spoken, yeah, yeah, powerfully spoken text. I think we have um, quite quite a taster there. Yeah. So thank, thank you, thank you guys, and so thank you all for. Well. It's so we better yeah. wrap. But um, thank you all for coming tonight, um, and uh, and I can't wait to see the opera now. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.